Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is part two of our Amnesty International and Guilty Feminist Secret Policeman's podcast live, which we recorded at the Edinburgh Playhouse in August 2018. Once again, so many thanks to everyone at the Playhouse and everyone at Phil McIntyre who worked so hard to pull this show off and to all of the amazing acts who gave their time and talent free of charge. During the show, you will hear about one of the people Amnesty is fighting for at the moment. Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe is a British woman who is both a wife and a mother serving a five-year prison sentence in Iran. But she hasn't committed any crime. Help secure her freedom by going to the Amnesty website, amnesty.org.uk forward slash Nazanin, N-A-Z-A-N-I-N, to take action and help get Nazanin home. Now on with the show. Are you ready for the second half? Then please welcome back to the stage your host for this evening is Deborah Francis White. Our next act is wonderful. You will know her from such programs as the television. Um, she is magnificent and a guilty feminist favourite. She's a favourite of mine. I know she's one of yours. Put your hands together for the wonderful Sarah Pascoe. Um, hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Sarah, and um, I love to woo. Uh, I, my, um, I love to do um, charity gigs. I love to support this charity. I like to do all the charity gigs. But I'm a very, very lucky woman, and I know that we're all lucky in terms of our lives, and we live in the Western world. But I'm especially lucky because um, I well. I, 
My New Year's resolution was to get a personal trainer because I feel better in myself when I exercise. And I thought if I have to go and meet someone and actually run around, I'll feel better and I have to do it every week. And, um, and then um, um, four weeks ago, I slept with him. <laughs> what a confidence boost. <laughs> I was trying to high-five myself over his back. Um, I couldn't reach. He was too wide. Um, no, what a confidence boost. I know, because I'm not body shaming. There's a thing with men who go to the gym too much. They get very broad up there, and then they don't have enough legs. Um, here's one of those ones. What a confidence boost. Um, but then I realised he was just trying to get me to burn more calories. Um, it was too frantic. Um, I should have guessed when he said that his favourite position was woman in plank, man counting. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, but the reason I'm telling you, I'm partly bragging, um, but also because what I was thinking about in this terrible sex was about... Um, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about the Victorians. Um, <laughs> Because they're idiots. They were idiots. Um, the Victorians, they didn't believe that women could enjoy sex physiologically. They thought it was impossible. They thought that men enjoyed it. Yes. Women, they only put up with it so that they could have children. And when women got married, they got given instruction manuals with things like, um, saying things like, um, oh, lie back and think of England. And I was thinking, uh, yeah, that was probably all right advice in Victorian times, because you'd be like, oh, this sex is rubbish, but... Oh, we've got an empire. And, uh, <laughs> gee, what? But you can't do that now. It doesn't work. You'd be like, oh, this sex is rubbish. And, oh, God, the economy. <laughs> Eject yourself from me right now. We need to find out what a Bitcoin is. <laughs> How to get one. Um, um, when I moved into my house, I lived by myself. And when I moved into my house, my mum sent me a hammer in the post. Um, <laughs> with no notes. Um, it was just a hammer in a jiffy bag. And, uh, so, and, and I recognised her handwriting on the address. So, I, um, oh, why have you sent me a hammer? I emailed, because um, we're not very close. And um, she explained to me that women who live by themselves, actually, it's very dangerous. My mum said she read an article, and that, um, it, it said that women who live by themselves... Um, who have weapons to protect themselves, like knives and guns, most often they're used upon them because the intruder um, kind of overpowers them. No statistics on hammers. She puts full stop. And I was thinking, what a weird woman. And, and, then, and then I remembered a couple of years ago, my mum told us that if she was ever going to kill somebody, also no one had asked, she was just, just looking out of the window. She just turned around, if I was going to kill somebody... I'd do it with insulin because it gives you a heart attack if you're not a type 1 diabetic. And um, also, they don't test for it on autopsies because it naturally occurs in the body. <laughs> Which just begs so many questions. <laughs> like starting with, are you threatening me? <laughs> um, my younger sister is a type 1 diabetic and also my mum's favourite. Which doesn't make sense. She's broken. She's the most likely of us to die. Why get attached? Um, I know. Mummy loves her. Um, I, uh, I'm being very flippant about murder. And I don't mean to be. Actually, I'm very anti it. Um, I think it's the, one of the worst things you can do to someone. Um, and, and also, it's a very male-dominated industry. Yeah, 88% of murderers are male, 98% of mass murderers are male, and if ever a woman does break through, she's referred to as a female murderer, which she finds very patronising. Uh, and sometimes, even worse, a murderess. Just makes her want to work even harder at killing people, so she gets some respect. Um, 
That was my TED Talk on murder. Um, hey, you, you know this already. You've done an incredible thing by being here and raising an amount of money for an incredible charity. You do amazing things all over the world. Um, thank you for having me as part of it, and I hope you have an incredible evening. Bye-bye. Two amazing women for you, both absolute legends. Please welcome to the stage an extraordinary comedian, documentary maker, and amazing activist, Ruby Wax, and an incredible actress, film star, and activist, it's Juliet Stevenson. Sit closer. Closer. No, I'm not going to sit closer. No, closer, closer. You want me to sit closer yeah. to you? Yeah. Well, I, I don't trust you. Why no, do you I know, because I have purpose. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't nervous, but now I'm really nervous. I feel like I kind of want to be on the sofa with you now, because okay. it you looks really cosy. Yeah. You two go way we back, don't so you? We have so much in common. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> you, Guess what we have in what common? What do you have in common? Not height, clearly. No. Sorry, Ruth. And not age. <gasps> I'm wow. older. I'm what older. a bitch. Are you older? Can you believe it? I mean, I know. Fucking miracle. Someone take the mic. Someone else get me out of here. I don't, I, this is, I'm not prepared for this. You can see, look, you, it, like, oh no, that's a horse. The teeth? We're that's not going to do teeth. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to look at your teeth like your horses. <laughs> no, but you can tell age by looking at a horse's mouth. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. But, but given... <laughs> Given neither of you are horses, and both of you are magnificent, magnificent women, magnificent women, magnificent women, how did you meet? So, so the horse thing segues rather beautifully into how we met, because we actually met um, oh, yes. at, at beautiful the segue. We beautiful, beautiful segue because we met as dogs. And dogs. We, we met as dogs. I, was, I think this is going to be an exclusive story. <laughs> People say, how did you get in the Royal Shakespeare Company? It's on a level of who shot Kennedy. Nobody understands how I got into the Royal Shakespeare Company. Ruby, nobody understands how you got into the country. No. (laughs) (laughs) Or the acting profession, and then the Royal Shakespeare Company. It's a holy trinity of mysteries. Oh, yes. So anyway, I was dog one in The Tempest. I don't know if you're familiar with the role. (laughs) (laughs) I did study English, actually, but it's still not coming back to me. Well, there's Prospero, and then many, uh, you know, character parts later, there's dog one. Dog one. Dog one, I was dog one. And suddenly they say, oh, there's a newcomer here. So it was the opening production of the season at Stratford-on-Avon, and it was a a production of The Tempest so risible that even before the press night, uh, the actors were taking the piss out of it. Anyway, my story is that Ruby was already there. I was just out of RADA, so I was like this sort of unhatched egg. And um, I got a call at 11 in the morning saying, a girl has broken her leg in Stratford. She's playing like play as cast, which is shut up and do what you're told, contract. And... uh, Dog, what? Two. And could, <laughs> could you be on a train at two o'clock? The only requirement is that you can be on it. So I went on the train at two o'clock. I got off the train at four o'clock. Some guy picks me up, takes me to the stage door of Stratford-on-Avon. So I'm kind of already shitting myself. And then they take my coat off me and my, literally my suitcase, and they go, just go into the wings and do what that person does when she does it. And didn't I teach you the best? Woof, 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 woof. Do you remember that part? Anyway, yeah. So the shape in front of me in the darkness of the wings did not turn around and say hello or introduce herself. It was just this weird little tiny, tiny, 
dark shape. So I stood staring at the shape, waiting for it to do something, and suddenly Prospero calls something on this stage. Come the, forth, dogs. Come forth, dogs. And, and this little shape runs onto the stage and barks her fucking head off. Yeah, well, you've got it. Use yeah, it. Absolutely. absolutely. Give it all. You left it all it's on the stage, Ruby. Ethel Merman. You left knew. it all on the stage. No, so sh- I ran on stage and barked, and then she got hold of some actor's uh, shin and, and ripped it to pieces, so I did the same. And then she lifted her leg and did a piece, so I did. And then he waved his stick, and we ran off stage again. <laughs> but the piece de resistance mm-hmm. is the dance of the naiads, which is where I called it dance of the wild bar mitzvah women, because we had white hair that thinned out, and then chiffon, if you lit a cigarette, we would have exploded with calipers that Jules and I, and for some money, we will do the dance. Oh, yes! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let me just say, during the rehearsal, Juliet came out, the, luckily, the stage was covered in plastic bag, because that represents water. Black plastic bag, <laughs> plastic wave, there's Jules, and she starts laughing, and when she laughs, there's no end. And there she was, laughing on the stage, and I swear on my mother's life, or everybody's life, the woman urinated on the floor. <laughs> no! I was there. She urinated on the floor, and somebody, and then she departed. Did you pee yourself laughing? Somebody laughing? had to mop it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> a bladderful, okay. a bladderful. I All right, not, so I've just found a way questions? to raise some money for Amnesty. Question. Who will, who will donate 50 pounds to see this oh, dance? Shit. Do I hear 50? Do I hear 50? Who was yes? You have to identify yourself. We could do. Who's who's 50? And then we could do some waves. Yep, okay, I can see your arm. Do I hear 75? 75? 75? (laughs) Somebody? I can't see. Yeah. Do I, did, will someone else? Elevator. Okay, you, we've got 50 over there. Will someone else chip in a tenner? Who else? Who'll chip in an extra tenner for Amnesty for human rights to see this dance? It's not included in the ticket price. Okay, brilliant. There's a tenner there. There's a tenner there. We've got 50 up the back. Brilliant. There's a man there. I want us to get it now because I don't trust that you're going to give it to me after. Doing high heel. He's given 20. No, take Thank you. This is money for actual human rights. Can you see the kind of money I'm able to get you? I should be your agent. We like to put the the money in our undies. That's how we did it in the old days. Brilliant. Anyone else got some money they would like? Oh, people are keener now that's going in their undies. Men are handing out tenors hand over fist now. Anybody else got something that they want to go in ruby wax or Juliet Stevenson's knickers? Uh, I can see it. Just pass it forward. Pass it forward. We are available for private functions. Oh, more oh. money over there. Jules, Jules. No, I feel... Jules, go. I, I feel like an activist. Jules, Jules. Oh, thank you. Bend oh, this over. is so cool. Bend, Jules, Brilliant. bend over. Put it, put it in so yourself. Cool. No, put it in. Jules, oh, let them put it in. More. God. Oh, look. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Jules. <laughs> Jules. I'm not changing my profession. This is fantastic. Because she Who has knew no the dance of the nymphs oh, more could money. be so profitable. Put it down there. Can you give us a little bit of watery music or whatever comes? <laughs> so, so we come up from an elevator. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Yep. You, first, you know that the, the Tempest is all about magic. Things appearing magically. <laughs> So we're, we're on a lift, uh, 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 invisibly in cut into the floor of the stage, and you'll never notice it, right? Okay. 
to these yellow sands and we'll take hands. Come into these yellow lands and we'll take hands. Hands, 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 hands. Hands, 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 hands. And Bridge, somebody comes through here. Bridge, Bridge somebody comes through. We don't know how she Turning, 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 turning. Thank you. I missed my cake. Wave, Ruby, waves, 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 waves. You're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. Wave, wave, wave. You're in, you're in, you're in. Thank you. Jules, it's over. Jellyfish, Ruby, jellyfish. It's over. It's over. Stop now. Stop now. Woof, 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 Yep. We're done yeah, then we're done. We're in all senses of the yep. word. We're all done. Pretend we were never here. You so see how it was? I mean, this was supposed to be uh, an act of union. We were supposed to be as one, right? So you can see... We were as one. You cannot not be friends with someone you've done that with. No. I now see why you're so close. Because you've exchanged something that's far more intimate than bodily fluids. Way, way, way. And including, actually, in some cases, bodily fluids. Uh, well, on that nights. subject, Deb, can I just say that we're yeah. not friends? We're not friends anymore because I have watched Graham Norton when Ruby has sat on the sofa in Graham Norton show and claimed that urine as her own. No, I did oh. not. She told the story. She has appropriated my urine. She... Well, we're setting the record straight. This is Would not anybody like to give Island, money isn't it? Juliet will urinate on the floor? <laughs> anybody? And scene. Just like the old days. Just like so, the old days. So what led you into activism, Ruby Wise? <laughs> I've always loved whales, and um, I always thought they should have a right to live. No, Rubes, Rubes. No, I know, no, I know. About you, do, you do a lot for mental health. Uh, yeah, well, my baby's mental health. And um, oh, today we opened a frazzled cafe in Edinburgh. I have these cafes that open throughout the country, throughout the UK. And, and it's, a, it's a place where it's not walking. You, sign up to frazzlecafe.org and we invite groups of 15 with a facilitator who's trained. Mm -hmm. And this is where people can be human together, you know, mm -hmm. not have to ask each other how their kids are, like you give a shit. Um, <laughs> I like it. They can speak human and they meet every two weeks and it becomes their tribe. And yeah, so if you want to uh, put your name down, Frazzle Cafe, it's all free. Marks and Spencer shuts down their cafe and they provide free food. Right. And tea and coffee, and then that's your kind of little group. Wow. That, that's your, that sounds uh, phenomenal. How do we find the information? Is, do we go online? Is it frazzled? Frazzledcafe.org. Put your name down, and we've opened in uh, Edinburgh. So let's Great. see where else we go. Wonderful. And it, presumably there are other places you go to, because we're on a podcast, frazzledcafe.org. It's, it's um, in the country, you know, up and down the country. UK, and now it's that coming here. sounds delightful, and I really want to go. And Juliet, you are an amnesty ambassador, which is very exciting. In fact, I mean, she is such an amnesty international ambassador, she's literally got 20s down her bra. And, and I mean, has anyone else ever done that for your charity, Amnesty? No. Why? It's inappropriate, but it also shows a level of commitment. So... Tell us a little bit about Nazanin. We've had some amazing news about Nazanin. Yes, yeah, so do you all know about Nazanin um, Zaghari Ratcliffe, who is a British-Iranian uh, woman, went to visit her, her family 
three, two and a half years ago with her baby and was arrested and put in prison um, on trumped-up charges by the Iranian authorities. I'm sure you know the story. And uh, her husband, Richard Ratcliffe, who is British, and he's been fighting um, for her release ever since. And Amnesty have been astonishing in their commitment to her case. Boris Johnson, unfortunately, set it back a little recently by... <laughs> As we know. But anyway, um, we're very, very much hoping that the um, new Foreign Secretary will, will pick up her case and really, really uh, work hard on diplomatic solutions to her captivity. And she's been there for two and a half years. And as you know, her mental and physical health have deteriorated terribly. But today, or yesterday, she was released for three days to get out and be with her little girl, Gabriella, who's now three, I think, and see her parents um, just for three days. And then we don't know what's going to happen after those three days, but I don't think Richard Ratcliffe does either. But anybody has any more information? Anyway, so there is a, a constant amnesty action on Nazanin, and I think there's an action that we'd like you to take later. As Juliet says during the recording, we were celebrating the fact that Nazanin had been released for three days to see her family again. But crushingly, she has now been returned to prison. So please visit the Amnesty website, amnesty.org.uk forward slash Nazanin, N-A-Z-A-N-I-N, to take action and help get Nazanin home. She has done nothing wrong. Thank you so much for everything you're both doing to advocate for mental health, which is so, so, so important, and for Amnesty International, and also and mostly for the water dance. I give you the nymphs! We do it on the day out. Dog one, dog two. Thank you for your extreme generosity, but I feel like that was a bargain, that dance. <laughs> if you put in a tenner for that, you really got more than your money's worth. Our next wonderful act, and it's going to be difficult to top that, I'm not going to lie. Who wants to go on after Juliet Stevenson and Ruby Wax doing the dance, dance of the nymphs? Um, I certainly don't, uh, but there's probably only one man in show business experienced enough to do so. He's been on your televisions for many years. You know him, you love him. It's the remarkable Phil Jupinus! Yeah. Hi. I've got, I've got 20 quid for Juliet Stevenson here if uh, she'll come on and I can be Alan Rickman and haunt her. <laughs> I'll leave it on the chair. <laughs> um, so, hello, I'm uh, Phil and uh, I do mostly pubs in Edinburgh, so it's not a good night for my agoraphobia. <laughs> it's a large room, isn't it? Um, wow. Whoa, space. Cool. Echo. Hello. Wow. <laughs> Curious. So, um, I'm, I'm here to talk to the time clock. Okay, no pressure. Um, I've got a, I've got a, 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 a lesbian daughter, um, and I'm, let's open with that. Uh, I've got a lesbian daughter. To be my height, my shoulders, she's a unit, but <laughs> she will always be my little girl. And, uh, and uh, I remember she phoned me up. Uh, she phoned me up a couple of years ago and she said, uh, she said, said, said Dad, uh, I'm, I'm marrying 
Marion, my girlfriend, and I was like, really? And she went, is there a problem, Father? And I went, no, it's just, just you're 22, it seems awfully young to be, you know, getting married, making that level of commitment. And uh, she said, no, I really love her, and, you know, we're going to get married. And then I suddenly twigged that the, 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 the girlfriend was American. And I went, where are you going to live? And she said, well, that's the other thing, Dad, that I was uh, calling about is, uh, you know, obviously want to make a new life together, and uh, I will, I'm going to emigrate and live in America. That's the thing I'm sort of, I suppose I'm here tonight on The Guilty Feminist talking about, is the fact that fathers that might listen to this podcast, just a little light warning, and there may be people out there having children. If you, uh, when you encourage your daughters to be free-thinking and independent, and they fucking are... <laughs> Sometimes they will fucking emigrate. <laughs> so she told me she was marrying her girlfriend. I hung the phone up on her, and the first thing you do in my circumstances, you call Sandy Togsvig because <laughs> she's Sandy's very much my go-to lesbian. Um, <laughs> kind of basically, I sort of treat her like a kind of lesbian Google. And <laughs> so Sandy, it's dupes. She goes, oh, dupes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all right, less whimsy, Tox, less whimsy. Um, um, listen, Molly's getting married to a girlfriend. Oh, dear boy! <laughs> I'm so happy. I mean, yeah, 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 listen, listen, minor point. Who pays? Um, it's a question every dad of a lesbian does ask. Because you can't ask the lesbian, which one of you, you know, when you... And, um, and, um, I tell people I've got a lesbian daughter, and they, I've had people after gigs, I've had people after gigs say to me, what's it like? What's it like having a lesbian daughter? I go, oh, thank you for asking. Well, it's a bit like having a fucking daughter! <laughs> what the fucking hell do you think I'm going to say to that question? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Right, now, don't get them wet and don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> Always have hummus. They love hummus. <laughs> so my daughter, so she is, let's think about this now. She's emigrated. She lives in California, loving the life, living the life. My daughter is a gay immigrant woman in Donald Trump's America. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, that's a restful thought for a father just before he goes to sleep. <laughs> she was 25 this year. 25. And how do you, how do you mark that? birthday, 25, quarter of a century, it's a big birthday, how do you mark that? And I wanted to give her a gift that showed her I love her, I was aware of the distance between us. So I got her a sombrero, I thought, let's see, let's see how far we can push the whole immigrant thing. It's pink, it's four foot across, and it has L lesbian written on it in sequins. I had it delivered to her house by a 16-piece mariachi band singing a song I'd especially composed for her birthday. Ding, 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 Hola, senorita Molly. That's, hello, Miss Molly. Hola, senorita Molly. Hello, Miss Molly. Esembraro, esembolo de papa amor. This hat is a symbol of your father's love. Shing, ding, 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 ding. Hola, senorita Molly. Hello, Miss Molly. Hola, senorita Molly. Hello, Miss Molly. El Presidente es una bastardo. Ding, 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 ding. Sixteen unbelievably nervous Mexicans on my daughter's lawn. 
You're all very lovely. Goodbye. <laughs> it's Philip Jubinus, everybody. Hey. Phil Jubinus, he's a legend. He's a legend. Did he do a dance? I don't know. I didn't see it. Was there no dance for money? Well, that's men don't try. They don't. Men rest on their laurels. You. Oh, there's money left on the sofa. Well, the thing is with Juliet and Ruby, they're doing very well, and that's the that's an indication. They just leave it on the sofa behind them. Oh, Phil left it. Oh, he's left it. What as a contribution for the dance? Yes, I hope so. He does. He enjoys a dance. I've been out with him on the town before. It always ends this way. <laughs> he wanted you to dance. He, he wanted me to dance. Yeah. Come back, Phil. <laughs> All right. Our next act is a classic sketch. It's one of our favourites, uh, and it is it is going to blow you away. Now, if you're young, if you're younger than that man, there's possibility you may not know it. In which case, you're in for a treat. Uh, if you're anybody else, you're going to get so excited. Put your hands together. Uh, that, that's the direct instruction. <laughs> Give us some cheering because I present to you here at the Secret Policeman Podcast Live. Going for. Bombay is the restaurant capital of India, man. So how come every Friday night we end up here? Because that's what you do. You go out, you get tanked up on lassies, and then you go out for an English. <laughs> it wouldn't be Friday night if we didn't go for an English. Anyway, I love English food. Get over. You fancy the waiter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. <laughs> I think we're ready to order now. <laughs> I think your friend might be unwell. Nah, he's all right. Don't worry about him. He's fine. He's never sick. Hey, what's your problem, Sunny? We spend lots of money here. We come every week. You should be grateful. He's all right, the waiter. He's a mate. You're my mate, aren't you, James? It, it, it's James. Yeah, that's what I said, James. Hasn't he got lovely pale skin? <laughs> nice and pasty. <laughs> yeah, but you know what they say about white men. <laughs> <laughs> okay. James. Okay, first up we will have uh, ten... ten. Twelve bread rolls. Ah. <laughs> and drink some of that fancy stuff. Wo, wo, kya hota hai wo? Butter. But, butter. Butter. James. Butter. Butter. You know butter? Yeah. Yes. But, butter. Butter. No. 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 Butter. 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 Huh? Coming ah. out of milk and making it. It making butter. the butter. Butter. Ah. Very good. Okay. <laughs> 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 Use milk, 
Butter, milk, milk, butter. <laughs> yes, butter. I, I've got that. <laughs> not, not tea. <laughs> Yes, butter. 12 bread rolls and butter. Not the paneer, but butter. <laughs> That's with a B. Okay. Yes, yes. yes okay, yes. main course, what's everyone having? Okay. <laughs> what's the blandest thing on the menu? The, the scampi is particularly bland, sir. Okay, I'll have that and bring the fork and the knife. Wow! Hey, cutting it, cutting it. Authentic. And bring a chamcha. Spoon. Spoon. You know spoon. I'm going to have the same as him, but I'm also going to have a prawn cocktail. Gammon steak, please! <laughs> okay, Jemus, uh, I tell you what, uh, ah. give him the gammon steak, but uh, leave out all your crap. None of your pineapple rings and peach halves not in his condition. I want the crap! <laughs> Thank okay, you, please. Okay, give him the crap, uh, but uh, maybe on the side. Side. Could I have just a chicken curry, please? Uh, yeah, yeah. Nina, come on! It's an English restaurant. You got to have something English. No, no, but I don't like anything too bland. <laughs> well, well, darling, why don't you have, huh? Why don't you have something a little bland? <laughs> hey, Jane Arthur! Hey, <laughs> hey Jane Arthur! <laughs> Give her, give her something <laughs> huh, that is not totally tasteless. Well, okay. the, the, the steak and kidney pie is only a little bit bland. Mm -hmm. and there you go, eh, Susie. <laughs> there you are. Eh. Eh, why don't you have the steak and the kidney pie? Uh -huh. <laughs> but you know. I'm worried it blocks me right up. Uh, you know, I won't go for toilet for a week starting. <laughs> I don't want that. Nina, what? that's the point of going for an English. <laughs> go on, Mira. Mira, what are you going to have? I die I'm... for constipation. <laughs> you know, 20 years I've had this constipation eating English food. The odd occasion is the diarrhea comes <laughs> That is the when I have the dessert. Anna. Uh. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, oh, I right, can't Mira, decide. What, what huh? have you decided? I can't decide between the steak and kidney pea huh? and the cord monet. Why don't you have a toad on your hole? Ah, wow. Yeah, yeah. A toad on your hole. Oh. Huh? Rabbit, rabbit. <laughs> Be like a frog. Okay, no I'll problem. have toad in my hole. Yeah, toad in her hole. In my hole, yes. and a full rose on the side. A full uh, rose. That's... Okay, listen. I tell you what. Forget the toad in that hole. You, you have the cord. Mm. I'll have the pea. 
and we'll mix and match. Mm. Oh. Okay, okay, we're going to mix and match because actually, oh, yeah, match match. actually okay, okay. Right. that's the way you're supposed right. to eat this kind of food. Okay, Jomes, we're going to have two scampies, two gammon steaks, two gammon. one yeah. with a crap on the side. Crap place! Uh, yes, Cod Monday, mm. steak and kidli pea. Yes. A, a full roast, a side plate. And yeah. uh, toad on your hole. Ah. Okay. okay. All of it. And uh, chips? Chips. 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 Four. Chips. Four. Chips. Four. Chips. Four. Chips. 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 Twenty-four plates of chips. Thank you. Ah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you speak English? <laughs> Come on. I think you might have ordered too much, sir. Oh, oh you Mr. Dyer of India! <laughs> Who bloody asked you, eh? Uh-huh. Just bring us our bloody food, or I'm going to do a Selfie with my ass. <laughs> and don't say we don't tip you. <laughs> Going for an English, everybody. Thank you very much, Shikesh Kumar, Pulvinjaya, Himesh Patel, Krishakayani, Sindhuvi, and Tom Tom. Pulvinjaya from goodness gracious me. Sadly, that sketch hasn't dated at all. It'd be nice to think it had. It'd be nice to think it was unrelatable now. Just give us a cheer if you're too young to remember that sketch. Wow, get out. Just give us a cheer if you're here with one of your parents. Are you here with your mum? Oh, look at you in the front row. Two daughters with their mum and you all look the same. You're so lovely. Oh, I love you so much. And also, find it hard to understand why people have children. Because <laughs> there's not much good about it, to be honest with you. There's not much good about it. Because think about this. Um, just give me an mmm if living with your mother for, say, months would annoy you. Mm? Give me an mmm if your mother can annoy you in weeks, days, hours, minutes. I'm just saying, when does the reward come for all the work? And there is a lot of work. There is a lot of work, like work you wouldn't do for any... I'm I'm gonna put it out there. I think um, a parent-child relationship is an abusive relationship. So uh, this is, um, this is, I believe, conversations you would have with your therapist if you didn't say the word child. You were talking to your therapist about your relationship with your child, but you didn't tell your therapist it was with your child. He got very angry in the supermarket and screamed at me in front of everyone. Why? He was eating grapes out of the trolley and I told him we needed to pay for them first. How did he respond? by sitting on the floor of the supermarket (laughs) and saying he wouldn't move. Is he on medication? The doctor gave him some, but he refused to take it. He spat it out on the floor. What keeps you in such a destructive relationship 
a combination of inexplicable love and suffocating obligation. <laughs> you need a more senior therapist than me. Conversation two. This morning, he bit me. He bit you? Has he done this before? He just started this week. And how long have you been in this relationship? Three years. And he's just started biting you this week. Yes. Why? I was, was making him breakfast. And first he said there was too much milk in his cereal. And then when I tried to fix it, he said there was too much cereal in his milk. And he bit you in response, yes. Do you have anywhere to stay? I think you should go home and pack a bag. Conversation three, he makes demands. What kind of demands? He has expectations. What kind of expectations? Occasionally he leaves body parts under his pillow. Body parts? Well, teeth. Teeth, why? He goes to sleep and I have to stay up late and then quietly re remove them and replace them with money. Could you tell me more about this? We have co-constructed a fiction that the money is being left by an invisible intruder. But I'm fairly sure he knows it's me. And who is this fictionalized intruder you pretend to be? Sometimes a supernatural being who leaves cash, once a year an old man who leaves gifts. An old man? That's his favorite. And he knows it's you, yes, but I must, I must never say that it is. So he doesn't thank you for the gifts, oh no. Does he ever pretend to be the generous intruder? Oh no, it's always me who leaves the gifts. He always takes them, but he'd be devastated if I admitted it was me, I can't stop, he's expecting it. You must stop. Once a year, we pretend I'm an animal who breaks into the house at night. What kind of animal? A rabbit. A rabbit, a rabbit. He leaves me a carrot. And what does the rabbit bring? He likes the rabbit to bring smaller chocolate rabbits. <laughs> For him to eat in front of me. First he eats the ears, then the tail. All the time pretending he does not know that I am the rabbit. He smears the chocolate all over his face. He leaves what he does not want all over the floor for me to clean up. There is a safe house 10 miles from here. I'll drive you this now. You must never go back to that place. Thank you very much. And that's why this sweet looking relationship is very, very wrong. Um, our next wonderful comedian is such a supporter of Amnesty International UK. Uh, you know her and love her off the telly. Put your hands together and give her a big guilty feminist uh, welcome. It's the wonderful Shappi Kosandi. Hello. Oh, look at this. Now, ladies and gentlemen. 
and gentlemen, I have been given, oh, look at that. I've been given the huge responsibility of doing the social media for tonight, which is a terrible thing. It's like putting a toddler in charge of putting up a tent. Um, but I thought it'd be, oh, look at that. Um, I thought... <laughs> camera. Um, this is my face. It should be on you. I want it to be on you. Um, I wanted to, to, to put this on the Amnesty Facebook Live. And, oh, but I don't know how to do this. Nick, <laughs> can you come and help me? All right. Thank you. So you're all going to be part of my, my diary for Facebook. So this is Nick. He's um, a, 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 a young person. Um, <laughs> that sort of came out of the womb knowing how to do Instagram stories and all that sh shit. It's stuff, stuff, stuff. Um, so, <laughs> point it at them. Uh, okay, so after three, we're all gonna shout, free Nazanin! One, two, three! Free Nazanin! There you go, they'll hear that in Iran. They'll hear that in Iran. You let her go, you... Maybe we'll just keep it diplomatic. Thank you very much, Nick, thank you. is most responsibility I've ever taken on in my life and I have two children <laughs> one of my children's here with me the big one the little one I didn't bring her because she's noisy um, and he's sitting by a bin reading asterisk books uh, mother of the year um, so hello 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 what should we talk about you can talk about whatever you want um, me all right um, what a funny year I've been a funny festival I, I've been recognized more at this festival than previous years because I was on a program called I'm a celebrity get me out of here give me two if you saw it yeah. give me two if you don't watch it yeah. so smug we don't watch that shit, Shappy. We don't know what possess you. Um, it, so many people ask me, so, so why, why did you do I'm a Celebrity? And it's very difficult to answer that question without going, oh, do all the money. Um, so, I don't want to boast about how much I made, but it's changed the life of my rabbits. <laughs> they live in a double-tier hutch with a collapsible run so um and i did it yes thank you and i did it and i was the um i was the, the first to be voted out though my mother won't have that she goes you were not the first to be voted out you were released early for good behavior <laughs> and uh, anyone who knows iranians know no, no iranian speaks like that i'm just shit at accents <laughs> so um and i was first to be voted out and, and i found it uncomfortable in there because i'm not very so I'm, i am sociable but i'm awkward with strangers i say stupid things when i'm shy and i went to a birthday party with my daughter um she's only five and i had to go to help with crowd control because you have to now with mums because um, it's not like the 80s where you only invited six people to your birthday party because wh smith sold invitation packs in six <laughs> it's not like nowadays you don't buy four invitation packs anyway so I was sitting there, just all nervous, and the, the mother of the birthday girl came up and said, you went to school with my husband, you're Chapiania. I was like, oh God, yes. And I didn't have a great time at school and I didn't want to meet someone from school, but I was brave and I said, oh, where is he? I'll go say hi. Um, who is he? And she goes, oh, it's a Peter Watson and he's not here. And I, because I remembered Peter Watson. <laughs> Peter, let's all go to Tesco where Chappy buys her best clothes, Watson. And... <laughs> I said, I'll go say hello. She goes, oh, he's not here. Apparently he's too busy to make it to his own daughter's birthday party. <laughs> and I said, oh, he was a prick at school too. So, <laughs> on I'm a Celebrity, I was really, really shy. So I thought I'd talk to this actor. 
actor guy in there who was really confident. And I said, do you ever do any theatre acting? And he went, no, I don't need the instant adulation. I do stage acting, because there's a craft to that. He's in Hollyoaks, am I a snob? He's in Hollyoaks, right? And then there was, this, there was a boxer in there who didn't like me. Um, Imran Khan and I just di didn't gel. Um, and he uh, was, what, is this not Imran, is it? It's Amir Khan, yes. <laughs> I've just realised why he didn't like me. <laughs> and also, I'm well aware what happened just now. I got my brown people muddled up. <laughs> this must be what it's like being white, is it? <laughs> He was, he was one of these guys, I'm sure there's, that none of the guys in the audience tonight are like this, but he's one of these guys that when he meets a woman and doesn't want to have sex with her, he doesn't know what she's for. <laughs> Just what do you do? And he was in the awkward situation of having to socialise with me because there was cameras on him. And then he said to me, so he tries his hand at the conversing with me, and he goes, so what do you do? And I said, I'm a comedian. And he went, are you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, but in here, you don't crack jokes. I was like, well, you haven't knocked anyone out. <laughs> did that make the edit? No, it did not. <laughs> Very weird thing. And then you had to... Um, uh, you, you know, everyone was worried about the tabloids, whether any of their exes had sold stories to tabloids. I came out and I said to my manager, anyone sold any stories? And my manager said, oh, a couple of your exes tried, but the papers weren't interested. <laughs> I was like, why would you not be interested in a middle-aged woman's sex life? I haven't been that vanilla. Then, quite quirky, if I'm honest. The <laughs> I know what a paddle thing is so <laughs> I've seen the porn hub then the one thing they did say about me in the tabloids was Shappy Corsandi is bisexual now that was weird because my bisexuality I'll be honest with you is mostly theoretical um, because I, I came of age in the 90s it was very difficult to come out as bi even my gay friends called me a lipstick lesbian so it just seemed easier to stay in the heterosexual realm for many reasons and one of them being I'll be honest with you um, it, you know if you want to get a guy to sleep with you you just, usually just turn up and it was just <laughs> I found it trickier with women I'd try and like pay a woman a compliment this beautiful Brazilian woman I met oh I ruined it I said to her I thought this was a good I'd like to hear this compliment she, I said to her, you've got very oily skin, you're going to age well. And just quickly, before I go, now, um, there's a lot of stuff in the news that's very divisive about immigrants, we've heard about it tonight. And then my friend's dad, bless his heart, I have Sunday lunch with them lots because they have good wine. But he always starts ranting about the immigrants, the immigrants, if they don't learn our culture, British values we throw them back in the sea and i was like well what are british values and i'll go fairness tolerance inclusion okay <laughs> now my children are an example of how you can be raised in the same country with the same mother at least different dads don't judge um but be so different you might as well be different nationalities my son is an english gentleman my daughter's a mad middle eastern woman who moved in with us we're not even sure where from she just turned up with suitcases full of grand pistachio nuts chopped coriander ready to be freeze-dried now my boy 
His sense of humor is very British. He pushes down emotions and uses wit. And I said to him recently, are you going to go to bed? And he went, I have no idea. I'm not a soothsayer. (laughs) And I said, oh, don't be such a smart ass. And he said, well, your ass is smarter. Yours can talk. (laughs) In our house, we have a rule. (laughs) If it's funny enough, mummy lets you live. (laughs) I say to my little girl, darling, should we go upstairs and brush your teeth? You don't tell me what to do. You are not the boss of me, mummy, if that is your real name. (laughs) Don't look at me, I hate you, don't leave me, I love you. Get off me, hold me, don't touch me, don't leave me. I rip out my heart for you. (laughs) But all you say to me is, teeth, 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 why, why, why? (laughs) (laughs) She's five. Keep it going for the wonderful, the astounding, Kima Bob! Oh man, what a beautiful time. I can't see any of you, I love it. Hello, um, my name is Kima Bob, <laughs> um, and that is my real last name. <laughs> uh, a name that I have acquired through Slavery. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the truth. Um, yeah, it's okay. We can laugh. Slavery is awkward, yeah. Um, but I like to think that Master Bob, right? I'm not mad at him. I like to think that Master Bob was like a chill guy, you know? Because if he wasn't, he'd be like, call me Master Roberts. <laughs> He's clearly very chill. Um, Guys, your eyes do not deceive you. My hair is LGBT. Yeah, yeah. I am a queer. I am a queer. Um, I identify as pansexual, which for most people means that they date everyone, regardless of their gender, their orientation, their presentation, other Asian words. Um, And for me, it means I date everyone but cis, straight, white men. Yeah, yeah. It's a protective measure. I don't like to be microaggressed where I sleep. And it's not like I didn't try. Okay, I tried to gentrify my vagina. I gave it an effort, mostly to see if white male privilege was sexually transferable. Not sure, not sure. Um, But I had to go on a no white meat diet, you guys. I had to. I've just had really weird things said to me, like just unnecessary stuff like, like you're non, you're like, it's easy to be with you because you're non-threatening, you know? Which is so offensive. Um, And I definitely replied like, what the fuck did you say? Uh, Because I want the option. I want the option to be threatening. You don't get to take that from me. Um, I deal with uh, mental health issues, so fun, very casual. Um, I have bipolar disorder, which is extra chill. Um, I I do it all the time, I'm doing it right now, I'm doing so good at it. Um, That's right, baby. And I know I'm gonna be all right, because Kanye West has it, and Demi Lovato has it, and they are making excellent life decisions right now. Um, And I share this uh, because I want people to talk about 
mental health and stuff like casually and openly uh, and it can be awkward at first but like riding a bike or a face it gets easier with practice <laughs> yes um, I want to leave you on a note about white privilege because why not <laughs> what my favorite. Um, has anyone here seen Amy Schumer's movie I Feel Pretty? How'd you feel about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weak, you guys. Uh, don't tell her this if I ever work with her, but I would advise you to not see it. Um, I was watching it at home illegally, as I do, <laughs> um, and I wanted my no money back. <laughs> I was like, give me a refund, Amy, um, of the past hour of my life. So if you haven't seen it, it's about a woman who looks like Amy Schumer, but somehow isn't happy about that, even though I would love to try on a blonde ponytail of privilege and just wave it around and go, get me the manager. I belong here. I'm crying. <laughs> Seems like a lot of fun. Uh, so she looks like Amy Schumer, and she's in the gym, and she's working out. She hits her head, and she wakes up. Uh, thinking she looks like everyone else in the spin class, right? And this is called I Feel Pretty. I got a pitch. Anybody ready to catch it? Who cares? I'm throwing it anyway. <laughs> Person of color, right? At the gym, working out. Maybe they're into fitness. Maybe they're trying to keep those endorphins high because life can be challenging. Mm. And they're on the machine. They're getting it. They're getting it. And then they fall off hit their head, and wake up ignorant to prejudice and structural and systemic racism. Hmm? I call this, I feel white. Yes, great film. Um, the, sequel, the sequel to I Feel White is I Feel Like a Rich White Man, um, but I haven't been able to figure out the plot because I don't know what kind of catastrophic head injury would result in such entitlement. <laughs> uh, I've been Kiva Bob and you guys have been tolerant. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And keep that applause going for another Guilty Feminist favorite. It's the wonderful Jen Krista. Hello. Let's talk about the menopause. Come on, let's fucking do it. Let's not fuck about. What are we talking about here? Let's get our hormones out. Let's splash them all about. Let's make every bloke's cock in here turn into a button mushroom. Let's do it all together. Let's, let's do this. I sort of have delusions of youth, I do. Delusions of youth. Uh, that was... Uh, <laughs> shattered by a visit to the GP who told me I'm apparently I'm perimenopausal at the age of 43. Can you believe such a thing? Perimenopausal. If you don't know what it is, don't worry. Most, uh, fellas, most of the women in the room here don't know what it is, by the way. Yeah, because the menopause, even women going through it, don't talk about it, do they? It's like Fight Club. 
know what the first rule of menopause club is? Somebody crack open a woman. Is, is it me? Is it hot in here? What the hell's going on? If you don't know what the perimenopause is, it's basically the bit before the menopause when a woman's estrogen levels begin to drop as she heads towards the menopause and her periods fuck off. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> off you go. See you. Bye-bye. But if you are going to go, do you have to be such a cunt about leaving? Could you not just go? Just go. Lots of different symptoms not even aware of. Uh, hot flushes, we've already discussed those. That doesn't sound bad, does it? It sounds all right. No. You feel like you're being microwaved. <laughs> it's an absolute... No, loads of other symptoms you're not expecting. Things that you don't even think... Vaginal dryness, sir. <laughs> Vaginal dryness. <laughs> huh? Buying up lube like a wallpaper paste. It's a nightmare. Not in control of how you feel. Of course, there are women in the room here tonight going, I get it, sweetheart, PMT. I know what that's all about. <laughs> get PMT! It's nothing like PMT, right? It's PMT on crack. Because you feel moody. Yeah? You feel moody. <laughs> you feel moody. 95% of the fucking time. Do you remember that woman that put a cat in a bin and no one could figure out why? Do you remember that? As a nation, we were like, why has that woman put a cat in a bin? What the hell is her problem? Is she mad? <laughs> I totally get it now. Like, that, that cat's giving me a funny look. Come here, you prick. No, come here, come here. You're going in a bin, you bell. Gonna talk about my period. Yeah, gonna talk about it. Apparently it's a hack subject for female comedians to talk about, which I find interesting. Because I wonder how hack a subject would be for men. If you bled out of your dicks every single month. <laughs> I wonder how much stand-up comedy would be about periods. If you fellas had to stick a tampon up your ass once a month, yeah? <laughs> oh, the fuss you make with one cotton bud down your knob. Wind your neck in. You try squeezing a human being out of a hole the size of a ten-pence piece, all right? Have you ever had a cervical smear done by a trainee nurse who's forgotten her contact lenses? <laughs> I have! <laughs> Bet you sanitary products would be free if men had periods, wouldn't they? Of course they would. You might be able to get them anywhere. Probably be able to go to the bar, wouldn't you? Hello, mate. I'll have a pint, please, and some of those sanitary bum pads. You know what? I'm playing squash later. You better get me some of those up the bummers as well. <laughs> Not free for us, is it? We have to pay for them. Not only do we have to pay, we have to pay um, VAT on top because we've been told they're a uh, luxury item. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel like a luxury? <laughs> Does it? Because I don't know about you, but I didn't realise bleeding into my knickers was the equivalent of a spa weekend! <laughs> monthly event. We don't talk about it most of the time, do we? Because we don't want to make you fellows feel uncomfortable. We're always thinking about you boys. No, I don't like to hear about that bloody blood because you don't make you feel sad inside. When we talk about that bloody blood but it doesn't make you feel all queasy and sad inside. And you, you don't want to hear about that bloody blood. It's funny because you don't seem to mind blood if it's pouring out of a woman's head in a Tarantino film, but anywhere near her chuff. <laughs> 
Fellas in the room, just look around you. You see the women around you. Look at them. Just take a moment to look at all of them. Yeah, take a moment. Because they are bleeding all over the shop, they are. <laughs> bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. You don't know, we haven't told you. It's not your fault. I'm going to make an appeal to the women in the room here this afternoon. The next time you're on the blob, and a bloke asks you how you are, don't say I'm fine. Tell him. <laughs> I'm bloated, mate. I've got horrific period pains. I can feel them right round my back and down the front of my thighs. I feel so moody that whilst you were talking earlier, I was fantasising about punching you in the face. <laughs> and or having a cry while slamming a fruit and nut bar on my gob. I also feel a lot hornier than usual. <laughs> whilst inexplicably disgusted with my body. For no other reason other than the fact that I've been told having a period is disgusting by everyone, including companies trying to sell me sanitary products who'd have me believe that having blue liquid pouring out of my vag is preferable to actual human blood. <laughs> Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you. Good night. The amazing Jen Brester, everybody. And now put your hands together and make extraordinary noises for the wonderful Sinduvi. No pressure there from Deborah on me, none at all. Um, I've had a great fringe. I mean, I can't lie, you know about the award, that's great. But I ha um, at the cost of sounding almost braggy, may I just tell you, I also sold out some of my nights. I know, right? But I'm, but I'm telling you that because when that happened, it was such an important moment for me. The first thing I did was I called my parents. They live in India and, in, you know, the way we're raised in India, the moment something good happens, you call your parents, you take their blessings. So I called my parents, I said to my mother, I said, Mommy, some of my nights have sold out completely. And she said, very good, can you give me the name of every person who has purchased a ticket? And I will go to the temple and put a fruit for them. And I, and I was like, uh, no, I cannot. And she said, why not? I said, well, it's like data protection. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> and she said, I am not a Pentagon CIA. <laughs> and I was like, it's got nothing to do with the Pentagon or the CIA. And she said, fine, don't tell me. You have anyway always been dishonest, secret-keeping girl. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that phone call did not, at least, yeah, did not go as planned. Um, so I was like, can you put dad on, please? My dad is in his 80s. He's small, full of wisdom. He's like Yoda, but not green. <laughs> so he got on the phone and I told him and he said, child, you seem to be working very hard. Are you eating seven almonds every day? <laughs> seven. And I said, seven? He said, yes, eight is excessive and six will not do the job. And I was like, can someone have a normal response, please, to the fact that I am selling out my nights? Um, he said, yes, yeah, yeah, fine, fine. The, um, the last thing he told me, which you can take away with you today is, before going to sleep, take a banana. I think he means eat the banana. Eat a banana. <laughs> I don't think my dad means take a banana to bed. Uh, <laughs> 
have take a banana because it is high in magnesium gives a good sleep. Take that away with you. Um, yes, no. So I'm delighted to be here. Um, this is a very big year for me, uh, quite apart from the fringe and everything else. This year I will have been married 20 years. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, you know, my husband and I, um, one thing we've learned is that at this point in our marriage, there's no point arguing. We don't have arguments, we have throwdowns. <laughs> like proper MMA level, you know, marriage martial arts, MMA level throwdowns because we know that 20 years and three kids later nobody is fucking going anywhere <laughs> we are literally just trying to get to the end of this somehow you know just uh, and um you know so there's no point no matter what the argument is we always bring it for everything <laughs> And uh, the other day, we were having an argument. And, and by the way, when I moved to the UK, I got a UK passport, like I applied and got a UK passport like this. Because I was like, hello, check this out. Um, <laughs> it was 20 years ago, I was like, it's probably safer. Turns out, it is safer. You know, uh, I had a lot of foresight. But my husband's Danish, he never bothered to get a UK passport. So we were having this throwdown, and he was like, you know what I don't understand is why you're saying that. And I said, really, what I don't understand is why you don't fuck off back where you came from. Uh, I can't deny it, it felt pretty good. Uh, totally on board with that statement now. So juicy. Um, it did bother our children a little bit <laughs> because we were having lunch, it was Sunday. But I mean, you know, uh, well, I mean, my teenager, I don't know how he felt because he looked at me and said, Thug Life chose you, brah. <laughs> Which I think is a compliment. Um, but the baby, she was very upset. She's, I don't know, five or six, something like this. Yeah, like there. And she was very upset. She said, oh no, mama said the F word. And I said, oh darling, you're right, I did. But when you grow up and meet the man of your dreams, so will you. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, no, I said that and, you know, and it felt great. Um, anyway, moving on from there. But here's the thing, you know, I, 20 years of marriage is not a small thing. And people often ask me, they say, you know, uh, how do you know? Like, how did you know, like, you know, when there were low points? Because there are low points and everything. And I said, you know, the biggest thing is, one is you get to know this person and they know you in a way that no one can compare. No one can ever come close to that. And you have to be alive to that, you know? My husband and I, I know him so well that we can have an argument from start to finish and he's not even home. <laughs> you know? That's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, they're also my favorite arguments. Um, but the biggest, one of the biggest things is when, you're, when you've been with someone that long and you hit some low points, you always want certainty. You want answers to your questions about the relationship. But you've got to learn to live with some unanswered questions. And you've got to just have faith. You gotta believe even though you don't have answers to those questions. Uh, someone asked me recently whether my marriage was a progressive one. 
what she said was, have you and your husband even discussed an open marriage? And I was like, no. And then I started thinking, what if we did discuss it in principle and my husband agreed? Does that mean he wants to have an affair? Question. To which I don't know the answer. Um, then I thought, could my marriage survive an affair? And if not, why not? I mean, I love this man. Why not? Question. And then I thought, man, if my husband did have an affair, actually, would I be able to forgive him? Question. And then I thought, more important than any of that, do I love our children so much that if my husband had an affair, I would never tell them how their father died? <laughs> Question. Anyway, my time's up. You've been so nice. Thank you so much. So now, um, you're going to hear a story uh, from a man very close to my heart and also who lives in my flat. Um, he's, he's a Syrian refugee who I met doing a podcast. Some of you may know him from Grown Up Land, where he will solve your first world problem uh, with a refugee answer. He's written this piece. It's brand new. Uh, it's all true. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, please give a very special welcome for the wonderful Steve Halley. <laughs> A famous Islamic scholar called Ibn Taymiyyah said, Music is the alcohol of the soul. It depends what you think of music, whether you think this is a good thing or a bad thing. Music being the alcohol of the soul was the reason why I wasn't allowed to listen to it when I was growing up in Syria. Music was banned the way alcohol was banned in my family. Other less religious families would listen to music, but the people who went to my mosque couldn't. Just like I couldn't go into a pub and order a pint, if I heard music on a bus or in a shop, I would have to train myself to tune it out. Instruments were totally haram, which means forbidden. Using your voice in a melodic or rhythmical way was a gray area depending on the situation. For example, my mother would sometimes sing me a lullaby to help me go to sleep. It went like this. In English, this means, come on now, go to sleep, go to bed. If you go to sleep, I will slaughter the pigeon for you. <laughs> hey, pigeon, don't be scared. I'm not really going to slaughter you. I'm just trying to get the baby to sleep. I know this sounds odd, and the lyrics imply that the parent is lying to the child and gaslighting the pigeon, but when you think about it, most of your fairy stories are about children being led into forests to be eaten by wolves and bears, so at least the pigeon gets away this time. As a child, I wondered why this sort of songs wasn't haram, and why the most holy thing of all was akin to music, the call to prayer. It's not technically music, but it has a musical quality. My father was the muezzin of the mosque. The muezzin is the man who does the call to prayer. Sometimes my father liked to sleep late. So from the time I was about 11, I was regularly woken up by my mother to do the dawn shift. <laughs> my voice hadn't broken yet, so everyone would know it was me. <laughs> Most of the time, you'd do it into a microphone, but power was rationed in Syria, so 
often there would be no electricity, and on those days I would climb up the spiral staircase of the old round minaret so that everyone could hear the call to prayer from the high tower. This was like an acoustic set. The call to prayer unplugged. <laughs> the mosque itself was on a cliff or mountain, so every time I, went, I climbed up the high, that minaret, I felt like a bird free of all chains and strains watching over the city. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. Hayya ala salat Hayya ala al-falah Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar La ilaha illa Allah As a child, religion was just a fact of life like school. I don't want you to get the wrong idea though. We were normal teenagers. There was a super cool shop next to the mosque where we'd all hang out. It sold cassette tapes. Gosean technology was 20 years behind. <laughs> tapes of all the coolest imams from all the most famous mosques around the world reciting the greatest hits of the Quran. <laughs> we'll be in the shop like, this imam has released a new series. Have you heard the way he does chapter 82? It's amazing. <laughs> And then my friend be like, yeah, it's all right, but I prefer his earlier stuff. <laughs> The school was more secular. One day a man walked into our classroom. He, had a, he was dressed like an alien and had a hairstyle, like a 70s rock star hair mallet, because hairstyles were also 20 years behind in Syria. <laughs> It was only, only when I got to London that I realized that the, the alien he was dressed as was David Bowie. <laughs> he stood, It was the first, he was carrying an accordion and it was the first time I would seen an I'd seen an instrument. I knew it was Haram, but I was so mesmerized and fascinated by how he could squeeze with one hand and press the keys with the other. He stood on a platform in the corner of the classroom and he played the only piece of music I could recognize by name, the Syrian National Anthem. Now, I don't know if you remember your first live gig and how it made you feel, <laughs> but mine, mine was the Syrian National Anthem on an accordion by the Syrian David Bowie, and it blew my mind. That day, some alcohol seeped into my soul, and I wanted more. I decided to go into a shop I'd never been before. It's a shop of temptation on the other side of the wall from the Quran shop. I opened the door. My heart was pounding and my hands sweating, looking over my shoulder. I didn't want anybody to see me from the mosque. There were boxes on the floor filled with containing cassette tapes and videotapes and even the hottest new technology, CDs. <laughs> I rummaged through one of the boxes, not knowing what anything was or meant. And I asked the man working in the shop like, what these tapes were, and he just shrugged music. So I pulled the CD out of the box like a lucky dip, and I couldn't read what it said, but my English wasn't good enough. I bought it quickly and hurried home, went straight into my room, closed the door, and 
I, I got my Walkman and straight slipped it inside and I couldn't breathe. I was so scared that my mother would burst into the room. I, I pressed play and it hit my ears. Uh, a rough and angry sound. Guitars, electric guitars, drums, a woman singing in Japanese about a zombie. <laughs> she, she sounded angry as, about, about the zombie. It was... <laughs> It was the only word I could understand, but she was singing some of my teenage rage. It was amazing. I don't know if I was getting drunk because I was lightweight, but I didn't, I didn't realize then, but I accidentally started with grunge, which is like having absence when you should be starting with alcohol. <laughs> the second song was an English song. My English wasn't good enough to understand the lyrics, but what I could understand was, was my mother, my father. This song made me feel all the emotions I knew at the same time. When I turned on my headphones under the blanket at night, I turned off the world, a world I never felt I belonged in. One day I came back, I came home, and my mother was sitting on my bed. She'd been cleaning and found my CD. What's this? She asked me, waving it into my face, in my face, and, then, and she broke it in two and walked out. She didn't speak to me for days. She might as well found a bottle of whiskey under the bed. <laughs> and then I stopped music for a while, but like the alcoholic of the soul I'd become, I, I went back in for more. But like an addict, I was more careful to hide the evidence this time. <laughs> Soon, the rebellion of my teenage years was upstaged by the rebellion in the streets of Damascus. The tanks and the guns have their own melodies and rhythms. When I was 19, Boys my age were being dragged off to war, tortured and beaten up by Assad's regime. My mother saw one too many of her neighbor's children disappear or killed. She risked her life to get me to the border and get me over it. After five years of living displaced as a refugee, not having seen my family for a long time, I finally arrived in the, in the UK. And on a wet London day in January this year, an REM song came on the radio. That put me in a sort of trance. It echoed a song that I, I know, the song that went my mother, my father. I went into panic, I needed to find this song, but I didn't know what it was called. I searched frantically on Google until I found it. It wasn't an English band, it was an Irish band called the Cranberries. And they'd also sung the zombie song, which turns out it wasn't Japanese at all. <laughs> the zombie song was about a war zone all along. I only realize now it was a song for Ireland and it became a song for Syria. And then there it was, the, uh, the My Mother, My Father song. It was right there. The lyrics, which I only understand now, are these. My mother, my mother, she'd hold me. Did she hold me when I was out there? My father, my father, he liked me. Oh, he liked me. Does anyone care? It's a song about refugees, about families being pulled apart. A song that asks, does anyone care? I remembered how my mother had broken my CD, 
but I also remembered how it had broken her heart to push me over the border to safety. I looked up the cranberries and the lead singer, Dolores Ordian, who had written the song, had died the week before. The song is called Ode to My Family. It is alcohol for my soul and it is in many ways a call to prayer. treat for you. Today she became the first ever person of colour to win solo the Edinburgh Comedy Award. <laughs> Formerly known as the Perrier. Known as various things, currently known as the Edinburgh Fringe Comedy Award. Um, it's a really, really big deal uh, and, and it's an extraordinary achievement and she is must be one of the best comedians in the world. So put your hands together and make extraordinary guilty feminist amnesty welcoming noises for the wonderful Rose Matafeo! My name is Rose, if I haven't met you before. Um, I'd like to start with a fun fact about myself to introduce myself to those who don't know me. So, I have a cat. <laughs> Thank you for clapping. Um, <laughs> my cat's name is Bert Backer Cat. Uh, yes, one of you gets that. Fantastic. Those of you who don't know, that's actually quite a funny pun um, on the 60s composer Bert Bacharach, but instead of the act there, I've replaced that with cat there. Uh, um, <laughs> and there's actually really a, a really funny story behind this, and that is that I'm incredibly lonely! So <laughs> high five, dude, you know what I'm talking about. Give me some skit. Yeah! <laughs> Good to touch someone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for later. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, um, it's good to be here. Um, uh, I do have new glasses, thank you for noticing. Um, I've got these new glasses and I got them recently because I, I just moved to London and I was like, oh, I'm gonna look hip, I'm gonna look cool, London. everyone looks so cool in London, so I got these new glasses. What I didn't realise is that these kind of retro glasses look very cool and hip and trendy on other people, but unfortunately on me, teamed with the rest of my aesthetic, I look more like a character from the start of a rom-com that is only there to provide exposition for the plot. That's, uh, that's my vibe, isn't it? I'm that sort of character who will be like, just like randomly at the beginning, will be like, well, look who just walked in. It's Marcus Sampson, heir to the biggest shipping company in the Northern Hemisphere. A notorious bachelor. He says he's waiting for the right lady to settle down with. Well, good luck to her, whoever she is. Anyway, I'm off, and I possibly be the one to see you at the end of the film, probably in a large group scene where I have no lines. Like, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> it's very much the look, isn't it? 
But I, I'm originally from New Zealand. I, I moved to um, London a few years ago, and oh, I love and I love I love uh, the UK. It's an incredible place, and you've got so many things uh, to be proud of. Yet you have such a, ca a capacity for complaining. I love that. I love that about you guys. And um, I had to find this out uh, recently when I was uh, signing up to an NHS clinic in my local area. Now the NHS is an amazing thing. You guys should be fucking proud of it, right? It's an amazing. Yes, fantastic, right? Yet you still ways to complain about it. And I found this out. Um, I, I don't know if anyone knows this, but on the NHS website, you have the ability to user review every single NHS clinic in this country, and some of them are batshit crazy, right? It'll be like, the nurse looked at me weird, two stars, yeah? Or like, he told me my leg was broken! It was, but it ruined my day, right? Like... So intense. You complain about the best things you have in this country. Argos, oh my god, Argos. Let's talk about Argos for a second. What the fuck is that? That's Narnia shit to me. Where is the stuff? Where is the stuff? Tell me where it is and no one gets hurt, right? But yet you still complain about that. On the Argos website, people have the ability to review every single product on there. And oftentimes they have nothing to do with the product themselves, right? It'll just be like, my wife left me! <laughs> This mattress is very comfortable on my friend Ricky's floor, yeah? That was very hard. So, um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, uh, I'll, I'll do some jokes for you now. Um, <laughs> I actually want to do a couple of impressions, if that would be okay with you guys. Is that all right with you guys? Yeah. So, um, uh, this is actually my bread and butter, uh, usually, um, uh, in New Zealand. I'm actually mainly an impressionist, because I'm actually a lot better at impressions than comedy. Um, so, um, I'll just crack on into them. Uh, and uh, these are kind of iconic pop culture references that you'll get just in a second. So, I'm strapping. This is my best stuff. So, um, this first one is an impression of Jill. The mother from Home Improvement. <laughs> Chill. The Do you guys remember Home Improvement? Yeah. Okay. Chill, the mother from Home Improvement. Here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Tim, stop working on that hot rod. Dinner's ready. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, uh, no, sorry, sorry. No, that wasn't that great. Very strong start. That um, usually kills in New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> Because it is still on, uh, that show. Um, fuck, sorry. Okay, I'll do another one. Um, this, uh, okay, this is a much more of a, maybe you'll get, okay, oh, this is an impression of, um, okay, Erin Brockovich. Do you know Erin Brockovich? A great film, yeah. Oh my God, Julia Roberts film, fantastic. So this is an impression of Erin Brockovich from the film Erin Brockovich. Here we go. <clears throat> Here we go. Shuffling papers, shuffling papers. I'm a lawyer, I just work for one. Don't drink that water, it's poison. That was so bad. <laughs> These are usually kill. Um, uh, fuck, okay. I'll do. Um, okay, no, I'll do, I'll do an original character. I'll do an original character. That sounds better. An original character, yeah? You want to see an original character? This is one I've come up with myself. So, can't, can't be a bad impression because it's, it's original. So, so, this is an, um, a character called Sassy Robot. It's called Sassy Robot. Sassy Robot. Here we go. <clears throat> hey, Becky, did you see the ass on that guy? He can get it. Sassy Robot, tone it down. <laughs> bring this back. Um, this is an impression, this next one is um, an impression of Sylvester Stallone and he's at a restaurant and the waiter has bought, brought him the wrong order. Okay, here we go. What is his name? Oh. <laughs> they can't take the award back, can they? Or... <laughs> um, 
Uh, okay, um, I'll, I'll, I'll end on this one. Um, and this is a one actually uh, that's dear to my heart because uh, it, it, it kind of, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, you can kind of resonate with this one. So this is an impression of a mobile phone vibrating on a table. <laughs> That's the missed call text. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Rose Matafeo, everybody! <laughs> to be honest, I was quite surprised she turned up because I thought, oh, she's just won this huge award. She'll be beside herself. I mean, I'd be really drunk if I were her right now. I wouldn't be doing a gig for, for, for anybody. So, uh, so a big round of applause to Rose Matafeo for showing up. I mean, let's be clear, you're not going to be able to get tickets for her show uh, here, but in London you will be able to. Um, I'm sure she'll be doing some enormous West End run or something now. Uh, she's incredibly glamorous. Our next act is another Guilty Feminist favourite. She is uh, a dear close friend of mine and an outstanding comedian. Put your hands together and make excited noises for the wonderful Jessica Foster King! Yes, please. Hello, this is nice. I've got my bingos out. You're welcome. Should know, confident feminist, calling my guns. Um, hey, how's it going? This is so nice. Have you been here for the whole festival? Four of you. No wonder you've got as much energy to enjoy this whole night. I, I'm enjoying Edinburgh generally. I find that during festival time, it's quite trendy. Feels like quite a fashion place. The bum bag is back. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Didn't we feel like a prick in that the first time round? Do we have to bring back the stuff that we felt like a tool in even the first time? What are we bring back next to the rough? <laughs> I kind of hope so, why not? Um, I don't follow fashion. <laughs> uh, not because I don't think it's important, I think it's very important. I'm not following fashion because actually I'm pretty sure it's making its way to me. <laughs> I think the fashion's going to get to me before I could ever possibly get to it. And this is a newfound confidence and it's because it's fashionable now to have like rips all in your trousers there, isn't it? Have any of you got those? No? <laughs> I don't believe you. Hands up if you've got those. Yes, you've got some of those, my friends. And um, they've got rips in there, have they? Yeah? And did you buy them already, Ruined? <laughs> yes, but it was off some chick. Yes, but it was off some chick. <laughs> I mean, for the sake of correctness, I'm hoping you did buy the trousers from a baby bird. <laughs> Who knows? Well, why not? You justify it how you like. I think they look nice. I genuinely think they look nice. And I like them because if, if you ruined your trousers by accident in the past, you wouldn't think to keep them, would you? And now you should. Now you'll think twice. And I think because of that, that fashion is surely on its way to me. Any day now, it's going to be the in thing. Get in for me to have holes in your trousers. But there. <laughs> yes! And there. Do you know the ones? The ones that you've just naturally chub-rubbed away. <laughs> yes! 
first time in all history, women above a size zero are going to be able to stand confidently like that. <laughs> in trousers that they've owned for more than a fortnight. <laughs> Bring it on! <laughs> I tend to <laughs> I tend to blame my general kind of scoffiness on having a having a baby, having a toddler. Um, I like to blame everything on him. Has anyone else in here spawned? <laughs> Heafing them out. It's true what they say. Really hurts. Uh, mine didn't go to plan. My childbirth. It took a couple of days. I didn't get any pain relief, and at the end of it, both of us nearly died. We're fine. But if you said to me at the time, do you think this will be the hardest thing you ever do? I'd have said yes. I do. Yeah. But that's before I said yes to trying doing comedy on a cruise. <laughs> it was worse. It was the worst thing I've ever done, and I've done ketamine. <laughs> that's a drug that the only person I know who's tried it more than once has now legally changed his name from Simon to Wizard. It was awful. But whenever you get to do gigs overseas, it's always interesting. Even when it's not literally overseas. <laughs> Even when it's overseas but on land. Because audiences are different all around the world. Um, I'd say the most interesting place I've been to do uh, comedy is Switzerland. Don't know if any of you have been? Yeah. The same four who've been here all month. It's an expensive <laughs> festival. Um, it's an incredible place. Um, I, there was something off about it. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I got there, I was like, this is all st stunning. The scenery's amazing. It's very neat, very efficient. There's something's not quite right. And after a couple of days, I sort of got it. I was like, hang on. Where are their ugly people? <laughs> and they've had them killed. <laughs> they haven't got any. And that is, is that the, as if that's not weird enough, it is such a weird place to go for comedy. As I said, everywhere in the world is different. You go to the United States and you do comedy, get on stage and say hello, and they're going, whoa, ha, ha, ha. they're doing it right. <laughs> um, in Britain, I would say as a rule, we're fair. <laughs> uh, some places a bit more tribal than others, Liverpool. <laughs> desperately want you to be from there. Um, and so Switzerland, we, I mean, <laughs> We travelled across the whole country, I wasn't alone, I was with an am amazing bunch of other comedians and everywhere we went we were joined by local comedians, so that was the tribal element of things covered. But across the board for all the comedians, across the whole country, if a Swiss audience really liked your joke, they go like this. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny! <laughs> That's how they laugh out loud. And we just got used to it, because you do, right? Um, and I had my favourite gig in a city called Basel. They are a bit more relaxed. They'd had a few drinks. Two drinks. <laughs> Breakfast. So they were laughing a bit more like that. <laughs> Very loosey-goosey. And I got heckled. It was my favourite heckle I've ever had. That's not an invitation to begin heckling comedians. It rarely adds anything, but this was amazing. I spoke to the man afterwards, and he'd honestly meant well. I was in the middle of a bit, and a man went... <laughs> Great combination of writing and performance. <laughs> Imagine what it'd be like in bed.
The way that we are moving around together physically is feeling very nice for me. Thank you so much for that. It's making my brain send signals all the way down the back of my spine, which is making blood rush around my groinal area 30 times the speed it would do usually, which is bringing a nice turgidity into my genitals. Thank you for that. I can see you're starting to make a little bit more noise now, which means your prefrontal cortex is finally breaking down. I'm glad you're losing your inhibitions. I'm glad this is working for you too. Probably time for the fast a bit. <laughs> If we carry on to do this physical act together over enough time, I will start to feel with extra amounts of the hormones vasopressin, oxytocin, dopamine, and adrenaline, and I will start to feel irrational feelings of devotion and commitment towards you that other people call love. Great combination of physio- physical and visual stimulation! <laughs> In other words, he'd be a keeper. <laughs> Thanks for coming out tonight. Good night! You have been the most wonderful audience. You've been embracing so many comedians who've been coming off and going, they're so lovely. And I'm like, I know, guilty feminist audiences are lovely because they share our values. So thank you to you. And to close our show the way that we do, guilty feminist style, the wonderful Grace Petrie. Hello. You alright? Hello, Edinburgh Playhouse. Fucking hell, that's a good gig to get, eh? Oh, are you guys okay? Well, an amazing night so far. Um, so, uh, there I am. My name is Grace Petrie, um, and uh, there is a reason that I'm dressed like this. Um, I didn't want any of you to be in any doubt that I'm a lesbian. Um, <laughs> The way I do it, it's practically a full-time job, to be honest. Um, um, but it is, um, it is, it's lovely to be here in Edinburgh. It's a year um, since Hannah Gadsby won the Edinburgh Award with a phenomenal show that was about many, many things. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. It was, about, it was about many wonderful things, but it was especially uh, in part about uh, how difficult it is perhaps sometimes to be a masculine woman. Uh, I can't tell you how much that was something that I identified with a lot, because as you can see, I am quite a masculine woman. It's something that has always been quite innate to me. I was quite a masculine girl as well when I was young. Uh, and, uh, and you know, that's not something that is in any way celebrated by society. People uh, still don't, re- we don't really have any positive images of butch women. Uh, and that was something that really had an impact on me when I was young, you know, I really kind of took this sort of societal negativity about butchness, I took it to heart and I was very insecure about it for a really long time. Uh, and I was insecure about it all the way up, to, up through, I carried that with, with me all my life up until last summer. And then uh, last summer, something amazing happened to me, which is that last summer uh, I turned 30 and I stopped giving a fuck about anything. Uh, it was a very uh, empowering experience. Uh, if there's anyone here who hasn't turned 30 yet, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, it's it's uh, really one of the best things that have happened to me. But I wrote this song. I wrote this song as a bit of a letter to my teenage self. I realised that uh, I was thinking about what was the one thing I, I would want to tell my teenage self if I could go back and tell her one thing. And I realised the only thing I really needed to know when I was 15 is that it's totally okay to look like this. It's actually okay to look like this, and you don't need to apologise for it. So. I wrote a song about it. 
I haven't done this before, and I know we're overrunning, so they're probably glaring at me already, thinking she hasn't started the fucking song. But, um, uh, uh, so this song contains the, the, the rhyme that I'm proudest of in my entire career, which is, the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. So, what, what I thought, because let's be honest, this is uh, as good as my career's gonna get tonight, uh, I thought I'd go, uh, and the images that fucked you, and then you'd go, were a patriarchal structure. What do you think? Should we have a go? And the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. Fucking hell, that's great. This is called Black Tie, thank you. Well, it's a jungle out there. The year 2018, I didn't think. We'd still be sorting babies into blue and pink And all our progress, I wonder what it means When the only girls close that work for me Turn out to be boyfriend jeans Well, that's fine, cause I decline A narrow set of rules that just don't work And these red lines, well, they're not mine And if you need me, you can find me shirt cause I'm in a black tie tonight get a postcard to my year 11 self in a year 11 hell saying everything's gonna be alright and no you won't grow out of it and you will find the clothes that fit and the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure and you never will surrender to a narrow view of gender And I swear there'll come a day When you won't worry what they say On the labels, on the doors You will figure out what's yours And it's a bloody nightmare Trying to fight the spread of bigotry and fear and that's uniting Piers Morgan and Jermaine Greer And all our progress, I wonder who it's for When I dare to utter that trans lives matter And all I got was a turf war Well, that's fine, cause I decline Your narrow set of rules, they just don't work And these red lines, they're not mine So if you need me, you can find me Postcard to my year 11 self In her year 11 hell Saying everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fucked you Were a patriarchal structure And you never will surrender To a narrow view of gender And I swear there'll come a day When you won't worry what say on the labels and on the doors you will figure out what's yours you will figure out what's yours and that it's got nothing to do with fitting neatly in a box that was constructed to make it seem like people come in just two teams and anything that's in between ain't good enough and you will love and you'll be loved 
And you're in black tie tonight Get a postcard to my year 11 self In a year 11 hell Darling, everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fat you We're a patriarchal structure And you never will surrender to a narrow view of gender And there's folks you've yet to meet But you're exactly up their street And they've been waiting just as long To hear someone sing this song Better days are on their way When it won't matter what they say On the labels and on the doors You will figure out what's yours And girl, you're gonna be so happy gonna be just fine oh girl you're gonna be so happy down the line down the line Thank you so much for listening. That address again to help Nazanin Zaghari Radcliffe is amnesty.org.uk forward slash Nazanin. Please help to secure her freedom. And thank you so much for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.